Good morning, by the way. Uh, I'm Danny, not Bren, in case anyone was curious. I have a little more gut and a little less muscles. That's Bren, so in case you were curious as to why there's another dude up here. But uh, as we jump into the scripture today, um, I do want us to think, oh, if you need a Bible, by the way, you can put your hand up in the air. Um, if I, I say every time I teach, like, we're going to use the Bible, and then I just, like, breeze through that verse, and you guys are, like, still going over here, and I'm, like, on my, you know, so it's not necessarily that you need a Bible in your hand, but if you want, you can go to Hebrews 3, that's where we're going to be today for most of the day, Hebrews 3, 7 to 19, um, super lighthearted passage, um, I'm, like, really exceptionally uh, lighthearted today about this passage, um, I've been soaking it all week, which is, like, it's bad news. Give a passionate Italian dude a passage like this, and you guys don't know what you're going to get, okay? So I either apologize or you're welcome. So we'll see what happens. But I know that the Lord has taught me something, and I, and I am so grateful that he's going to teach us all something through this passage. So let's go ahead and read it first, and then we'll, uh, then we'll start to talk a little more about it. It says, Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, this is verse 7, so we're going 7 to 19 in Hebrews 3. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness, where your fathers put me to the test and saw my works for 40 years. Therefore, I was provoked with that generation and said, they always go astray in their heart. They have not known my ways. As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Take care, brothers, lest there be in you, in any of you, an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold to our original confidence firm to the end. As it is said today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. For, those, for who were those who heard and yet rebelled? Was it not all those who left Egypt led by Moses? And with whom was he provoked for 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who were disobedient? So we see that they were unable to enter because of unbelief. Now, uh, back in college, okay, I was an intern at a church. Uh, I'm still an intern at a church, but that's neither here nor there. So back in college, I was an intern at a church, and... Uh, I had this kind of inkling one day. It was a pretty big church, right? Lots of staff members. And so I was kind of walking around the offices asking people a question. And the question was just this. If you could have one godly attribute just given to you today, what would it be? And most people were like, oh man, I would love to have like just the fullest heart of faith, right? Or I would love to just love like Jesus. And all those things are great. But I came to one of our elders towards the end of the day. His name was Steve. Really nice guy, really quiet guy. Never heard this guy teach a word, okay? Now, he, he was a teacher, but he had never heard him really speak much. And so I asked him the question. I said, Steve, if you could have one godly attribute in your life, what would it be? And he looked at me literally without blinking, and he says, perseverance. He, says, I, he said this, and this was the most profound thing. I, I mean, obviously, it stuck with me years later, but he said, I want my faith to be stronger on my last day on earth than it was the day I gave my life to the Lord. And I thought to myself, like, 
man, like, when I look at the book of Hebrews and I look at what the warnings are, and it's like, hey, warning, don't stray from this, right? And up to this point, since I've been a believer, I haven't. Okay, I sin, but I haven't, like, walked away from the Lord. I haven't, like, put my hand up to God and said, no, I won't do that. But as we look at the book of Hebrews, we realize that, like, there is something in us. There is something in us that wanders. We may have our life or our eyes on the Lord, but something about us here on earth, we just are prone to wander. I want to make it to the end. I want to be the type of person who at the end of my life, at my funeral, I don't want it to be about me. I want it to be about Jesus because that's what I was about. I want to make it to the end. And the reality is, guys, that whatever you're doing today, this passage has a very simple message, and it's this. Today, do not harden your heart. This is a passage that is not intended to be delayed upon. This is not a, hey, I'll wait to put this into place once a few things come up. This is a stern warning who's not coming from just anyone. This is coming down from Almighty God, as, as Debbie described, a sufficient God, this God who has given us his name, but more importantly even than that, he has given us a place with him. And he says to us today, don't harden your hearts. Now I want to tell you something. If you have a hard heart, that just went like that. It doesn't mean anything. Because when you first hear it, you go, what does that even, how do I harden my heart? I hope that's a euphemism because unless there's like some flour getting pumped into my guts, I don't know what's going on here. But if you look at this idea, it's this. That God formed us and knows us and knows that this heart, this this core structure inside of us that kind of rules us, it's, it's better described not as just an organ within our physical body, but it's better described as kind of the nerve center of what we believe, what we think, how we act, what we do. That this heart inside of us can become something that strays from the Lord on a consistent basis if we don't pay attention. Now, this is where verse 8 comes in. It says, do not harden your heart as in the rebellion." on the day of testing in the wilderness where your fathers put me to the test and saw my works for 40 years. Therefore, I was provoked with that generation and said, they always go astray in their heart and they have not known my ways. And this is the part that is crazy. As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Now, this section is a quote from Psalm 95 in reference to Exodus 17. Now, we know the story of the Exodus more than likely. Each one of us have like an idea, right? It's either a cartoon or Charlton Heston, right? That the Exodus was like something that happened. We know that as an event, but we tend to not necessarily see it for the grave nature that it is when it comes to the wilderness. Something to understand about the Israelites, they're this enslaved people in Egypt, okay? And God brings them out. They, They possessed a promise, first of all. They possessed a promise that they would have a land for themselves, okay? And this promise was something that they had to hold on to For 430 years of various forms of abuse and enslavement in Egypt, okay? Then God, in his power, gives these plagues, all right? And each of those plagues are are him placing himself above one of these lesser demonic gods of Egypt, 
and in, su- in doing so, they are let go. And they have these miracles happen, right? You guys maybe have heard of this, like the parting of the Red Sea, where all of a sudden the largest army in the ancient Near East is drowned, where they have this pillar of fire at night and this pillar of cloud during the day that literally led them around. Now, something that we don't always realize is this, that the nation of Israel coming out of Egypt, Egypt is about 350 miles, okay, from where the promised land is. If you're super slow, like real slow, you can walk that in about three months, okay? If you're pretty quick and you're able to do 10 hours a day, 12 hours a day, it's about a month. Three months is how long it should have taken them to get to the promised land. But what happens? God realizes that this people, he says in Exodus 13, it says these people were not ready for what was to come because if they saw what was to come, which was going to be war, you know what it says in the scriptures? It says the Lord doesn't bring them to the, through the land of the Philistines, which would be war, because he thinks they will go back to Egypt. This group of people being led out of enslavement by God And God says, no, I'm going to lead them to the desert instead of straight to the promised land because their hearts are not ready to be my people fully yet. And so what happens is that they wander for 40 years. And I will tell you this, I read and like, so when when I study, I tend to read in context like a chapter or two. I started reading from the, like, I went all the way back to like Exodus 1. I'm like, man, This is like a reflection so much of my own heart. They're grumbling, and this word grumbling is crazy. And so as we look at it, this is Exodus 17, okay? This is what is in reference in Hebrews 3. This is what we're warned not to be like, okay? It says, the whole Israelite community set out from the desert of sin. Totally appropriate name. Traveling from place to place as the Lord commanded. They camped in Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. So they quarreled with Moses and said, give us water to drink. That's pretty logical, is it not? Hey, I don't have any water. Can I have some water? Right? But as we go forward, I want you to see what happens. Moses replied, why do you quarrel with me? And why do you put the Lord to the test? Now, think about this for just one moment and realize that this is a group of people who have seen little flakes fly from the sky that they made bread out of, all of a sudden quail end up in their camp and they get to eat meat. There's a pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire leading them. They watched the entire Egyptian army drown in the Red Sea and they saw the 10 plagues in Egypt that God did to show that he was more powerful than anything else in the world. This is a group of people who should have known that the Lord was not going to lead them to this place and look what they say. They should know that they can trust him. But look what they say in Exodus 17. But the people were thirsty for water there, and they grumbled against Moses. They said, why did you bring us out of Egypt to make us and our children and livestock die of thirst? It is a very logical thing for most of us, if we want water, to feel this way. But there is one simple issue with that when it comes to faithfulness to God. And we'll see it here in just a second, too. Then Moses cried out to the Lord, what am I to do with these people? They're ready to stone me. And the Lord answered Moses, go out in front of the people. Take with you some of the elders of Israel and take in your hand a staff with which you struck the Nile and go. I will stand there before you by the rock of Horeb. 
Strike the rock, and water will come out for the people to drink. So Moses did this in the sight of the elders of Israel. And he called the place Massa and Meribah, because the Israelites quarreled and because they tested the Lord, saying, Is the Lord among us or not? That word grumbled. Okay? That word grumbled impacted me like crazy. Because here's what it means. That word grumbled is actually stubborn inaction. Okay? Let me illustrate this better. Have you ever been at a grocery store and you've seen a kid with a parent, maybe the parents got like multiple kids, right? Lord bless their heart, right? Like so the parents got multiple kids at the grocery store and you see, you see the kid go, I want a candy bar. And what does mom do? Mom goes, no, you can't have a candy bar. It's not good for you. Like I don't want you to have one right now. Trust me. And then the kid just loses it, right? But not loses it in like a violent way. Have you ever seen this where the kid just goes totally limp? Have you ever seen this? And all of a sudden he's laying on the floor and he's just like, he's either yelling or he's like angry. And he's like, I'm not going anywhere until I get what I want. And you see the mom and she's like, oh my gosh. I, she's like dragging a child, right? You see, it's like, you're just like, are you kidding me? Like, this is the picture. This is the picture of what stubborn inaction looks like. This is the picture of grumbling against God. Now think about that for one moment because you see the Israelites were being led out into the desert to learn how to be led. They had a pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire to lead them day by day. But as soon as they get to a day where they're thirsty, they stop. God, I'm not going anywhere with you until you give me some water. God, I refuse to follow you until you give me what I want. Can you imagine? Can you imagine what that would, what kind of a heart would that be? And then I thought, that's my heart. I do this. I'm totally the guy. And if you are too, then you understand. Ask yourself, is this your sin? When things make sense, do you just stop? When things don't make sense, when it doesn't add up, what do you do? Do you find yourself prayerless? Do you find yourself stopping reading scripture? Do you find yourself avoiding people in community? See, most of us, this is, this is true of us, okay? And I'll, you can, if you hear anything today, please understand this. A hard heart, oftentimes, if the person thinks they're a Christian, a hard heart is somebody who has made a plan and asked God to bless it, Okay, made a plan for their life and they asked God to bless that plan rather than giving God their life. Most of the people that I know who struggle with this, including myself, what we do is we make a plan for our life. We look at how it should be. This is what life will look like. This is what I'm going to do now. This is what I'm going to do later. This is how it's going to go for me. But you know what? Instead of giving your life to the Lord, you give your life to the plan and you ask God to bless it. God, I've got this person, this person who I, I want to marry someone. They got to be awesome. They got to be perfect. We're going to have some kids. We're going to hang out. And then maybe, you know what? Maybe some of you, this is, this is the other part. This is kind of gnarly. Maybe some of you are like, you know what? I have a heart for missions. I'm going to go to the mission field, right? God will bless that. 
God will totally bless that. But I want to tell you something very, very clear. If you worship, if you worship the plan you have for your life, then the day that God breaks in to try to show you how to lead or how he is going to lead you, the day God does that, you will know what it's like to be that child in the grocery store. Because you may have looked like a Christian. You may have looked like a follower of Jesus. But you were a follower of yourself. And you asked God to bless it. And you will flop on the ground and you will go totally limp and you will say to God, I will go no further because you have not given me what I want and this doesn't make sense. Because he will do that. He knows that you will not make it to the end with him unless you learn how to be led by him. As a Christian, somebody who is a slave to the plan that they have or the expectations they have for their life is one who is a slave to sin. It is someone who is going after their desires harder than they're going after God. And I want to tell you something, okay? Before I go any further, I'm going to clarify what that means a little better here in a minute because I know that for some people that's already a source of like struggle, right? Am I even saved? I want to challenge you today. I want to challenge you today that unless unless you've already gone through this process and you're on the other side and you know that today through the Holy Spirit you are being led by God, I want you to ask yourself that question. Not because I hate you and want you to struggle, but because I love you and the scriptures teach us that there is a deceptiveness. There is a deceptiveness to sin. You could spend your whole life being one person at church and another by yourself, and you will not make it to the end. You will not see glory like we will. And I want you to. There are people in this room right now who will not be following Jesus on January 14th, 2019. More than likely, in a room this size, there is someone in here who will choose to make all these decisions in their life to walk away from God. And I am begging you and warning you. And the book of Hebrews is warning us, please don't let that happen. Look at yourself, look at your heart and go, am I following God or am I just following someone I made up? Someone who says that my sin is okay. Someone who says that it's okay for me to do what I want. Because that's not who God is. God is teaching you lovingly to, lead, to be led by him. And where he takes you, whatever life brings you, do you trust that he, no matter what happens in your daily life here and now, do you trust that he is better at leading your life than your own logic? Because that's the, that right there, that's the fork in the road of faith. One of the graces um, of persevering faith is community. And so when he says in verse 12, take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God, uh, verse 13 in, in Hebrews, but exhort one another every day as long as it's called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have come to share in Christ if indeed we hold to our original confidence firm to the end. Now, there is hope and there is joy and there is life in Christ. But in our world, there always seems to be something we lack. Am I wrong? I won't ask you to raise your hand because, well, whatever. 
Sometimes we need to be challenged in church, but I want to ask you to raise your hand. How many of you are probably today more conscious of what you don't have, whether it be something that you don't have, something you really want, than what you do have? How many of you today have been thinking about how much you don't have in some form, right, rather than what you do have in the Lord and what you will have in him? Sometimes being so aware of what we don't have can cause us to give our attention to what we think we lack versus focusing our eyes on Jesus. The root of almost all sin is this discontentment, okay? This discontentment with, look at what I lack. The Israelites, it was, we don't have water, God. For us, it could be anything. Why is it that this person gets to have all this stuff and they seemingly just fell into it? Why is it that so-and-so, this is something that I think for college students, you guys don't understand this, but like for people who've been married a long time or people who have struggled with this, like why is it that so-and-so gets to have so many kids and, and, and we can't get pregnant? Why is it that this person gets to have this stuff or this thing or this wife or this person or whatever and I don't get that? That's not fair. If you've ever felt that, I want you to hear something if you're a believer. In Ephesians 1, we're told that every spiritual blessing in the entire world has been given to us. Actually, it says in the heavenly realm, so it's like better than the world. And then in Psalm 34.10, it says that for you who are faithful, for you, you will lack no good thing. If you lack something, for you in this season of life, that may not be a good thing. If you don't have something that you so strongly desire and you realize that your desire for that thing has overtaken your desire to be with God, then guess what? If you don't have that thing that your desire has been overtaken by, it's a really, really good thing for you not to. Because what's more important than at the last day of your life to be with Jesus or for you to have gotten the thing that you wanted so badly in life? Hebrews 13.5, and we'll, we'll obviously get there, but like this book really is framed in such a way that when you start to look at the end of the book, you start to see what the, the, the beginning of the book meant. And Hebrews 13.5 says that we are to be content with what we have because God will never leave us or forsake us. God is not leaving anyone in here, okay? God is not leaving you or forsaking you if you're a believer. If you're not getting something that you feel like you really want or you really need or you deserve, just know this, God has not left you. God is not the leaving kind. We, on the other hand, it is humanity that leaves and forsakes God because they think he will restrict them from having something good when in actuality, God is giving them every good thing and freeing them from the prison of false pleasure. Uh, Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin is death. Now, something to understand is that Egypt, for Israel, was their slavery. We are revealed in Romans 6 that sin is ours. It says that we were a slave to sin in Romans 6 and that God freed us from that. Now, this is part of the reason why we need one another. Sin is incredibly deceitful in our life, okay? Now, I've watched in the last year, 
I've watched friends who, whose marriages have fallen apart. I've watched people who have struggled so hard with sexual sin. People who for years were addicted to pornography. And they spent years in church talking about things that are good, talking about the scriptures, singing with me. And then one day, they weren't there next to me anymore. One day, they decided that it was better to be in the slave camp of sin than to trust God in the camp in the wilderness. And I, this is why we need community. Like, all of a sudden, they're gone. I had no idea they were struggling with anything. They never said anything. Just one day, they were gone. Try to call them or text them, and it's cordial, but it's not what it used to be. And you realize, oh my gosh, I can't see every ounce of my own sin. I need people in my life who look at me and go, man, that, what you said right there when you told me that like, you're bummed about not having this thing, man, that sounds a lot like just unbelief, brother. Like, please, by all means, like, understand, God is not holding something back from you. But instead, my heart can get straight away so easily when I'm alone. I need other people to look at me and say, dude, I see something in your life. Please, 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 let's deal with it. And you guys all know these people, right? You know these folks. Every single one of us in the room who's been a Christian for any amount of time, they know somebody who walked away from the Lord. For some of you, you saw it coming, right? You saw it coming. That person wasn't hiding their sin. For some of you, you didn't say anything. You just assume it would be fine. You just assume one day they would just figure it out. For some of you, you said something and they pushed you away. And you felt like you were the reason why they stopped going to church. And you're not. If you spoke truth to them in a loving way, it is the hardness of the heart that causes people to walk away from Jesus. Now, sometimes our faith is small and sometimes our faith is weak. And I want you to understand this. Those of you who struggle with whether you're even a Christian or not, I want you to understand something. God's grace is incredibly generous, okay? And as I talk about this, as I say to examine yourself, I don't want you to just sit there and, like, let your mind run free about how God doesn't accept you, okay? That's most of the time what the question is. I want to tell you something, that God never, ever, ever rejects someone who seeks him, truly seeks him. It says that God, it says in the scriptures that all who seek him find him. If you are earnestly seeking God in your life, that earnest and genuine seeking, God does not withhold anything from you. You are brought in. He loves you. He wants you to be there. Eventually, you will see him for who he is. It's not those who seek him and struggle who need to be worried. It is those of us who have just stopped struggling with sin at all. It's those of us who've said this sin is okay. And I will tell you this right now, you guys. In my life, I've made massive, massive mistakes, like huge mistakes, okay? And it was the hardest thing in the world for me to admit that. But when I did and I humbled myself and I talked about the things that I struggled with and I talked about those things that were happening, and I, I don't know why, I was so worried that people would judge me for it. And you know what happened? They loved me in an honest way. They gave me boundaries helped me have boundaries. And they allowed me to see that not only was my sin not okay, but they still accepted me the same way the Lord did. God is not tricking us. 
okay? If you're seeking him, continue to move in that direction. And he says that all those who seek him find him. Man, I don't want to read this next section to you, but I'm going to. Okay. Um, This is a warning going back to the sin as an indicator of someone who really never left Egypt, so to speak. Okay? This is us. This is the sin of unbelief. And so many of us who are hard-hearted are here. We try to make our home like the Israelites in the camp in the wilderness, okay? But we keep that little town home in Egypt. You know what I'm talking about? We're like... We got this little side thing going on over here, and every once in a while, we just skip on back to Egypt, back to that slavery again, and we just love what we do, right? If you are hiding your sin, it's going to kill you. Let me tell you this again, okay? I don't care whether you think I'm a joke. This isn't. If you are hiding your sin today, it is going to kill you. And on your last day, they're going to talk about how nice of a person you were. They're going to talk about how much you did for your friends. They're going to talk about how much you loved your dog. But they're not going to talk about Jesus. And I'll tell you this right now. If they don't talk about Jesus on your last day, more than likely that's because you won't be with him for eternity. And I don't want to scare you, but I want you to hear this, that the Lord is looking at us today, every single person in this room who are not guaranteed another five minutes. And you know what's the truth? The truth is, is that he loves you and he wants to free us from that sin. But if you are hiding your sin, don't think that one day you're going to figure it out and it's all going to make sense by yourself. You need to wake up. It's going to kill you. It's going to take you down. And no matter what it is that you think here and now about how good you are at hiding it, it will come out. It says it's going to be shouted from the rooftops. We have to wake up. We can no longer be the type of people who pridefully just sit and stew in our stuff. We've got to let it come out. And when it comes out, it's going to break us. It is going to break the people around you. You will hurt them for a season, but they will get to be with you forever. It is much better, it is much better to get that out of you here and now. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. Instead, repent. Repent. It is time, look at me, it is time to repent. It is time to turn away from what you once did and turn to the living God. You cannot afford to play with this. 1 Peter 5 says that the devil is hunting people. We cannot afford to ignore this stuff that inside of us that keeps us from God. We cannot be the type of people who when a bad thing happens, we stop, drop on the floor, go limp, and say, I will go no further. And I will tell you this. If you are not a believer here today, I want to let you know that Jesus is strong enough to come in and free you from wherever place you are. I don't care how illegal, I don't care how horrible people will look at you for what you've done, I don't care. That is not the point. The point is this, is that Jesus will accept you. He really will. He's got you in mind. He knows your sin already. And if you were to repent and turn to him, I'm telling you right now, Not only is it worth it, but you will see the joy. You will see the life that comes from the freedom of being with Christ. Because Christ is the only one in history who would ever walk into the prison that you're in of sin, break the chains, put those chains on himself, and let you walk out. 
That is who it is that we follow. If you are a Christian today and you have a sin in your life that you know is real, do not leave this room. I am totally 100% serious. Do not leave this room without repenting of that sin in some form. If that's got to be with another person, please do it. If that's got to be with just you and God, do it. Don't leave the room without letting go of that thing that's holding you back from following Jesus. Because I'm telling you right now, like everyone else who follows Jesus, I know that those who are real, true believers, and I, I believe that I'm in that place, okay? I trust the Lord with my salvation, and I'm in that. I want on my last day, I want people to say, that guy was about Jesus, not about himself. That guy worshiped God, not a plan he created for himself. And I want you to be there too. I want you to see that. I want you to understand what it means that at the end of your life, you were faithful because God has prepared a place for us and no eye has seen and no ear has heard what it is that the Lord has prepared for those who love him. And I'll tell you right now, you guys, it is so worth it. And I've never been there. Um, if you need prayer, um, I challenge you to do something maybe you've never done here. Okay? I challenge you to just talk to somebody next to you. Uh, if you trust them, if you know them, that's great. If you need somebody to pray with you and you know it. In fact, if you're somebody who has sin. And right now, you're looking at that sin and you're going, not going to say anything. I'm going to ignore it. You're the one who needs prayer the most because you are on the cusp of walking away from something. You are right there. And if you have sin and you will not repent of it, if you will not turn back to Jesus, then unfortunately, you may be the one who on January 14th, 2019, is no longer with this community. Not because we rejected you but because that sin led you away from the Lord. And I don't want that for you. So I'm going to pray, and I'm going to challenge you. I want you to do something that you've never done. I want you to allow yourself to be open to the Lord and whatever he's going to lead you to do. And you just go. You don't hesitate. If you need to pray with someone, you pray with someone. If you need to pray by yourself, you pray by yourself. If you need to be on your knees in the back of the room, do it. Whatever it is, you do it. You do it because God is waiting there to accept you with open arms and he will, no matter what it is, no matter what happened. Father, will you give us today the strength to do what we know we should? Um, we love you, Jesus. I pray for the people in this room right now who are feeling a sense of conviction, um, a sense of their own struggle. Um, Father, we talked about how this year is a year of taking risks in our faith. And I pray that right now we would do the first risky thing that we could possibly do, which is to admit that we're not okay, to admit that we're struggling, to admit that right now we're not in the place that's the easiest to be. But Father, I pray that each person in this room, and I don't know how anybody but you, I don't think there's any other power in the world that can do this, but I'm gonna pray it. Father, I pray that you would allow every single person who I got to look at today in this room, I pray that every single one of them on the last day of their life would have more faith than they do today. And that you would show us what it means to be faithful right now, today. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.